Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. In many ways. There we go. I got it on. <laughs> Myself, we've we've had an interesting year. We uh, and some of you have lost loved ones this year. You know, I've lost some very very close friends that I. I've missed him since I left the country church, and uh, but you know Bob Runnels passed, and uh, Mr. Greeby, we used to call him, what we used to call him, Don, I forgot, but <laughs> Uncle Carl, the kids called him Uncle Carl. He was a very gifted man musically and just a good man and loved the Lord. He passed on. Doris Stiver died. She was like a, a second mom to me. That came from her. After my mom died. She came out the door of church and she gave me a hug. And she says, well, I'm going to have to keep track of you now. And I said, well, I hope I don't worry out. <laughs> I hope I don't worry out. But, uh, and there's others, you know, you just had Joe, you know, Joe White passed on. And, and uh, it's just been an uh, interesting year for, for uh, you know, in the winter, we have to go to Florida and suffer for Jesus. And... Uh, <laughs> With a big smile on my face, I can say that. But uh, my brother-in-law and I serve, there's a chapel in, in the park, and he and I take turns preaching. And uh, this feels good today to be up here. I, I get rusty in the off-season, as I call it. But uh, his wife would be Dawn's next oldest sister, and she suddenly died. Very, very sad time for everybody. Um, they still don't know what the problem was. Her, she died. She died. She was Dawn's next oldest sister, so she was young like Dawn, and uh, she just died out of nowhere. She was in the hospital for a week, and they sent her to rehab, and then they had to go back to the hospital, and she died there, which was a shock to all of us. And it's been been a tough time for my wife, Dawn, for losing a sister. And, uh, you know, there's no way you can prepare for that. Uh, I have all three of my older brothers are, as I always say, you guys are older than dirt. And uh, one is going to be 90 in October. And the, my next oldest brother is be 80, he just turned 86. And then my brother, that's the brother I really knew growing up, he's 10 years older, he is 83. Now, I challenge anybody in here to keep up with him. He rides a bike, a bicycle, okay? And he had to take some time off. Some guy came around the corner and hit him head on. And uh, he went up and over the car and hurt his back, seriously hurt his back. And uh, he couldn't ride his bike for like four or five months at least. And uh, I talked to him on the phone. He lives in Colorado and I, I talked to him on the phone a couple weeks ago again. And, and he said, uh, I said, well, how's the bike riding going? Because I knew he started again. Okay, I said, how you doing? And he says, well, I'm, I, he rides with a couple guys, and they usually do 30 miles a day. And uh, 
I said, oh, I get tired driving my car 30 miles a day. <laughs> and he said, uh, he says, but often, he says, I go out on my own and I ride 60. That's my brother. He's just a, a superior athlete. Uh, he used to coach football at Taylor University. And uh, so he's very much into the being staying fit. And he's pretty much fit if he's riding that kind of miles. But uh, his wife has time, his wife has Alzheimer's. And so that's, of course, a lot of stress and a lot of, a lot of uh, prayers going up to help her. This year we lost Dawn's sister, Kathy. We had a memorial service at the park, and to show you how respected she and Larry are, we had the memorial service, and there was a, over 100 people there. Now, this isn't a huge park. It's good enough. But that's how much she was respected. Their testimony for the Lord was just incredible. But she died, and that was on Saturday. And on Sunday, I fell in the pulpit and uh, fractured my back. And uh, I said, well, at least we, at least Lord, we waited a week, because I don't know who would have done the memorial service, OK? And uh, I hit the floor. I passed out, hit the floor, and made a loud noise. I could hear people groaning. I think, what are you groaning about? <laughs> I'm hurt. Um, <laughs> what? When I was a child, oh, no, I shouldn't say that. When I was a young adult, I used to joke. Be careful what you joke about, okay? I used to joke about when I died, I wanted to die either on the golf course or in the pulpit. So as I'm falling backwards, I'm thinking, is this it? <laughs> Am I going home, Lord? You know. But it's, uh, it's been an interesting year, and I'm sure you all got stories like that. Well, today, I'm bringing you a message that I hope speaks to your heart. I love the Psalms. You love the Psalms. You probably all have at least 10 or 12 that you like. And, uh, but you probably got one special one, I'm sure. And uh, I've been studying the Psalms for, of course, all my years of ministry. But I found three Psalms, Psalms 61, 62, and Psalm 63. I recommend them highly to you if you haven't read them recently. Uh, they have, there's a lot, of, a lot of strength to be found in those psalms. Today, uh, I'm gonna, you can see what I'm going to do today. I need a mirror to see that. Yeah. It's up there, too. Whoa. <laughs> Does that mean it's on its way to heaven? I'm not sure. But this is a psalm of David. And... Uh, well, I was, was studying for this morning. I started looking at, of course, 61 and 62, and they're, they're, they're great. And I couldn't decide which one to settle on, so I ended up with 63. But as I was looking at this, I found some interesting things um, in here. I'm trying to find it. I'm a little rusty, okay? I'm not used to being in the pulpit, and I do miss it. Okay, I'll show you what I'm looking at. Turn with me to Psalm 63. Let's settle in for a minute here. I entitled the message today, Thirsting for God. I asked you a question this morning. Do you thirst for God? Do you get thirsty? When I, was, when, I was, when I went back to college when I was an old man, I worked for an asphalt company in Right. Try it again. Is it green? It was. 
could holler, but that wouldn't be polite. Um, I work for an asphalt company. If you ever drive around Fort Wayne area, even out here on 30, you'll see it, Brooks Construction. And that is, uh, was an interesting experience. The summer, one summer that I worked for, and it was like, most of the summer was 90, 95. And you stand on black asphalt for any period of time, guess what? You get thirsty, really thirsty. And I used to drink as much water as I could. To this day, I don't drink water because I just can't stand the taste anymore. Back then, they didn't have those squirty things you can put in your, you know, just being a tough guy. But this is what we're talking about today. And this is what David is, King David. Remember, he had to run and flee his enemies. They hated him. Don't know why. Well, I do know why. They didn't like him. And they didn't like him being the king. And so they chased him all over. And he, he fled, the, fled the area and ended up in the desert experience. And if you look in Psalms, you'll see a lot of the Psalms that he wrote. I mean, a ton of them. In this one, it's uh, entitled in my Bible, it says, A Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. So he's in the wilderness and he says, Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dark and weary land where there is no water. Drop down to verse 6 with me. When I remember you, meaning God, on my bed, meaning during the night, is anybody here? You don't have to answer this. I'll put my hand up. Okay. Anybody here have trouble sleeping at night? No, okay. Well, so David must have too. Of course, he was probably sleeping with one eye open to make sure nobody was coming. But he says here, um, when I remember you in my, my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. Okay. For you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek my life to destroy it will go into the depths of the earth. Didn't sound like a good thing for these guys to be doing. So that's the first part of, of, of the Psalms. I got a whole bunch more. There's some words. I, I should have put them on the screen, but I didn't. There's some words you're going to see in the study, okay? But what you're going to see is words to keep in your mind. If you have time to write them down, write them down. You, as you read the Psalms, especially the ones David wrote, you will see a bunch of key words, okay? Here's what David says. He waits, he hopes, he says, God, you're my rock, okay? That means his strength. Uh, a stronghold, that was the uh, uh, safe place for David. Salvation talks about that. Well, salvation, that's deliverance. Deliverance from the bondage of sin. It makes it opens the door for you to go to heaven. It says he says, trust in him at all times. You'll see that written in other psalms. Uh, pour out yourself, God, before me. That's that's an interesting thought. God is was his refuge. So when he was going through difficult times, those are words. Like I said, these there's three psalms together. But those are the words to keep in mind. This was not a, taken lightly by him at all. 
He was very, very serious about this. The thirsting for God. Have you ever been in a situation where you're thirsty? Is anybody thirsty this morning? Okay. We had a young guy came visited our church and he was preaching and he got up in front of all of us and he took his bottle and he looked at us and he took a drink. Immediately the sanctuary emptied because everybody got thirsty. <laughs> Not really, okay? But I saw him drink and I thought to myself, that's not fair. And then your kids would say, that's not fair. Well, he was thirsty, so he drank. Well, this is David talking. He was thirsty for the presence of God in his life. He, he wasn't in the palace. He wasn't, uh, had, didn't have his servants with him. He, he, he just was thirsty because he was alone. He was thirsty for many reasons. Your throat is dry. Your mouth feels like cotton. I remember that on the two-day football practices back in high school. Uh, that was interesting. Surely, of course, back then, I mean, some of you guys remember this, but where I went to high school, I went to, in, in Fort Wayne, our coaches got this idea from somebody. I didn't know Dr. Fossey was back. No, never mind. But the water was salt water. Because you weren't supposed to drink water because it isn't good and it, it can do things. And I thought, well, what's the salt water going to do? Living in snow country, I know what salt can do. It can eat the cars up. So I'm sitting there thinking, I'm not taking this stuff. And I didn't. But we've all had cool water to drink. We've all had Gatorade. Doesn't Gatorade bring up? It, it takes care of the thirst and it, it tastes good, mostly. But... As I was thinking about being thirsty, I read this psalm, and I thought to myself, here is David, King David, one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Can you guess why? Because we have the same name. <laughs> Certainly didn't have the same abilities, but his name, when as a child, I can always remember smiling whenever they talk about David. He was, he was the man, okay? And the question came up to me, David here is thirsting for God. He's alone in the wilderness. He's got people looking to kill him. And he, what does he do? Does he cry and sit in a corner and mope? Does he hide in a cave and sh shaking like crazy? No. He did what we're all supposed to, to do in, in difficult times. Do you thirst for God? That's the question that's been haunting me all week. Do I thirst for God? Let's face it, we're born, we come to earth, we have great parents, and we grow. And we grow. I, I grew up in a ball diamond. I think that's where my son died. I literally, five, six years old, my brother used to get me up in the summer. That wasn't fair. He'd get me up out of bed and take me down to the ballpark where he was the, the uh, supervisor of the, of the activities when he was in high school. And he's taking, and I thought, five years old, I'm playing competitive softball. There's something wrong with me. But I loved it. I fell in love with it. He'd get into, you know, Little League, and whatever <coughs> the other one was. And then when you get too old, you can't do anything. You play the old man game. I see that in Florida a lot. We live in the same town, but not the same villages. We've heard of the villages. Well, it's above my pay grade, and it's okay. But they have a softball league. 
I drive by and I think, I know I can do that. And Don's sitting over there going, no, you can't. <laughs> oh, come on. He said, I said, that guy's older than I am. But we get that in our head. Something is there. So what are we thirsting for, folks? Do you know that God is just a prayer away? Of course you know that. It's nothing new. It's not earth-shaking information. He's just a prayer away. He's present with us always. Now get an amen on that one. Amen. Isn't that just uh, such a reassuring, confidence-building thing? <coughs> Blessing from God. He's with us everywhere we go. He knows what today brings. He knows what tomorrow brings. So what are we doing? What are we doing with these things? Do we get so discouraged with life, and we can, that we forget? <coughs> you ever feel sometimes like, well, let me start here. The nature of this thirst. David is having a wilderness experience. We can have wilderness experiences today. It's not necessarily they're in the wilderness and people are chasing us down. They want to kill us. But we can have a wilderness spirit where uh, we, we feel dry inside. Our relationship with God is, is, is kind of iffy in the sense that, well, God, if you really love me, you wouldn't let that happen. How many times have I stood in a, in a hospital room with a loved one or at the funeral home with a loved one, and they've said to me, if God loved me like he says he does, they never would have died. Well, that's poor theology, okay? It's not a good way to live your life. We have to trust God, trust and obey God. And so the nature of his thirst here, uh, he seeks God. Look at the verses. He says, um, I shall seek you, verse 1, I shall seek you earnestly. That's an interesting word, isn't it? Earnestly. A lot of people go to church, that's great. But when you get there, what do you do? Are you listening to the message from the pastor or your Sunday school teachers? Or do you believe that God loves you and cares for you? Or you've had a difficult time at work, you're having a family issue, whatever it might be. He says, I earnestly seek you. And if we earnestly seek after God, he might show us what the issues are in our life, or he might wait a while. He's God. But you seek him earnestly, or do you come, come to church and just go through the motions? I did that a long time ago. I had that time in my life when I was just mad at God and, and uh, didn't know what to do, and then I knew what to do, but I didn't want to do it. I had to go back to school and finish my education so I could be in ministry. But what do we do? So the nature of this thirst is, it's our problem. If it's a negative. His soul ached for God, as we will see. His solution would obviously not be the world's solution. We're going to get into that. When you get discouraged, you get down, you're just kind of floundering, you don't quite know which way to go, who do you go to? What do you read? Do you spend time in prayer? Do you believe God will answer your prayers? This is what we find. That's thirsting for God. 
That's thirsting for God. And that's what we have to look at. Next thing is the object of this thirst is obviously God. People everywhere, all around us, have times of discouragement, okay? Is there anybody here that's never been discouraged? Don't lie. Of course you have. You're raising your kids and you're trying to teach them the way to go according to what the Bible teaches and what you're, how you were raised or whatever the case might be. What do we do? I've had to learn this the hard way. In times of discouragement, I know that I need to go to God in prayer. And I go to God in prayer. I'm not perfect at it, but I can tell you from pastoring a church, I learned I had to go to God in prayer because we needed to sort things out or whatever the case might have been. So if you ever get discouraged, do you thirst after God? First place to go is in prayer to God. Second place to go is your scripture. I'm amazed at how many self-helps there are in print today. Have you ever noticed that? There's a book for everything. And you have to be careful who the everything is. Sometimes the people that write the books, they're, they're meaning well, but they sometimes get off track and you have to go, no, wait a minute, time out. Is that what I really want to do? Is that what I really should do? And you sit down and you wait and go talk to your pastor, your, your confidant person who's a Christian, and you can say, would you pray with me? Well, that's what happens. So the object of the thirst is God. And I look at the old hymns and... Uh, they put a smile on my face. How about you? We go to a church now. I shouldn't say this out, but you don't know anybody there. <laughs> we go to a church now. We never sing a hymn anymore. That's sad. We've even visited around a little bit. We go to, we visit another one. Great preacher. Oh, my God. I could hear him all day. They don't sing a hymn. They have two of the biggest screens I've seen in a church. I mean, they're big on each side of the pulpit. You know, like up here, over there, and over there. Big, big ones. And I don't, I don't know where it comes from. I'll never understand it. Because is it worship of God or is it entertainment? The screens have different colors. Red one, blue one. They switch them. That's what wakes me up, you know, when it switches. But... What, what is there about all this hoop-de-doo? And, and my brother, who was the pastor, the one who's going to be 90, he's an old guy, you know. He's been visiting churches. He moved to, his kids moved him to Illinois or over on the Mississippi River. And so he's looking for a church. He said to me the other day, I was talking to him, and he says, David, I've been to five churches. He says, does anybody open the Bible and preach anymore? I said, no, but they got great light shows. He says, yeah, I, yeah, I guess. <laughs> but we got to get back to the word of God. So the object of our thirst is God. How are we going to, to, God gives us a way out. God says, seek me. God says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek me. We used to sing an old song back in youth ministry days. Seeking ye shall find. 
Knock and it shall be open. Now my mind has lost it from there, folks. I'm getting old, can't remember much. But that was the song we used to sing. And we just sang it. But I all, now as I look back, I wish I had taken the time, or somebody would have taken the time with me as a youth to sit down with me and say, do you understand what this means? Seek and ye shall find. God doesn't make it hard. Knock on the door. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. He doesn't make it hard. But when we don't obey and we don't do what he says, we got a problem. And this is what was going on with David. I don't know. I don't think he lost faith in God. But he was, he was alone. He felt abandoned. But where did he go? The example is there. The example is there. He went where? He went to the Lord. Yes, it's a prayer of his. The cause of the thirst, i got to keep moving here. The cause of the thirst, when it's a physical thirst, when I get thirsty, I come in the house and find something to drink. When you get thirsty, don't you do the same thing? Well, this is what God wants us. The cause of this thirst is that we stop coming and looking for a place to get refreshed. Think about that. I remember when I was in school. I remember when I had big youth ministry. I can remember the kids saying, I, I, I've had a, I said, how was your week? Uh, wasn't good. Why not? Oh, so-and-so and so-and-so was picking on me again. And it was, today we call it bully. Okay, there's a bully in the room. And I said, well, what do you think you should do about it? I don't know. He said, my mom doesn't know what to do. And this, that. I said, have you thought about praying about it? Can God give you an opening to sit down with this guy or gal who's picking on you? Well, I never thought about it. I says, think about it. God cares. God cares whether you're a child, a youth, an adult, or an old folk. And I'm feeling older all the time. Why do you think he would care for you as a child and not think he wouldn't care for you as a youth. So young folks, God cares about you. It's God that cares about you. Can I say that louder? It's God that cares about you. Learn that lesson now. Learn the lesson now. Life isn't going to get easier. Life isn't going to get easier. It's going to get tougher. The unrest in our country, the violence in our country, Makes you sick, doesn't it? People are protesting and fighting over the fact that finally, as a country, we're taking a stand for children, for babies. We're going to give babies a chance to be born. We're going to give babies a chance to live. Babies that give you a, a joy in your heart. We have grandkids. And let me tell you, that's all. That, when I'm in Florida, it takes me a little while, but pretty soon I'm ready to come home. I want to see the grandkids. They got two of them to play basketball. I want to see them. I want to see them play. So as a country, we're protesting the fact that we're going to make it more difficult. Well, I'm not going to get, it's not political. It's going to get out of the way. But just let me say, his physical thirst, his spiritual thirst, 
was a result of not taking it to God. And this is what he's doing here, though. You'll see in the last verse what he talks about. We know better. We know we should go to God. We know this, but we don't. Why? Have you ever, ever asked yourself that question at the end of a tough, tough period in your life and things have changed and things are smoothing out and you think, why didn't I just ask God to, to be with me and to help me? He is with you, but you can pray and specifically state, God, I don't like what's going on in my life. Help me understand it. Because we learn and we grow through tough times. What's the old ex expression that going gets tough, or when the tough gets going, you can finish it. <laughs> like, I can't even say that, see. When the tough, tough is, is there, God gives us encouragement. Open your Bible. This is hard for me. One of the hardest things for me to do anymore is to study the Bible consistently. I'll confess that to you. My life is changed. I have difficult times like y'all do. But I had them when I was pastoring too. You folks are hard to get along with. You know that? <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay. So we know better. Go to God. Seek first. How about the rewards of thirsting? Of, excuse me. The reward of thirsting. Yeah. After God. Well, you know what I found out? That when I thirst after God, and I get really serious about studying scripture, I did that in ministry because I had to, but I did that in scripture because I couldn't live without it. But earlier in my life, I wasn't that way. But if you look at this, what are the, the rewards of thirsting after God? Well, you're gonna see God's power. You ever seen God heal somebody? You pray for somebody to be healed and they, oh my goodness, they're healed. Well, yeah, that's what God does. That's what God wants us to do and wants us to realize and he wants us to thank him for it. You want to have a witness to people that don't know Jesus yet? Pray for them. God will bring something into their lives, I believe, it's personal opinion, that needs to be prayed for, seriously. Pray for them. Let them see the miracle of that healing. Let them see that marriage come back together. Let, let, let them see their children who have been struggling at school or just struggling with life, how their life has changed through prayer, through the power of God. That's what we're looking at. But we need to thirst after God. How about experiencing God's glory? When someone is healed, or a marriage is saved, or your friends at school stop bullying you. Think about that. You get to see that. One way that my, one of my favorite topics to talk about, one way to see God's power is through his grace. You ever thought about that? Grace is unmerited favor. Do we deserve our, our uh, Salvation? Do we deserve it? No. God hates sin. He doesn't want to be around sin. But he is. But he can, he can change your life. He can change your life if you'll thirst after him.
okay? And the last one, there's a ton more. The ones I wrote down, here's the other one. Your worship of God will be the best it's ever been. Worship, I used to love this with my young folks. I used to say, what's worship like? And they said, well, it's 10 o'clock Sunday morning. I says, oh, that's nice. But what's worship about 10 o'clock Sunday morning? I think they learned it from some of their parents, okay? Especially the men. We have a ministry, and I told you about already. We have a ministry in Florida with this chapel, we call it. It meets in the rec hall, and Larry and I do that. And my wife plays one of the instruments. She jams on the keyboard, okay? That's not true. Anyway, she plays the keyboard. Her sister Kathy used to play the piano, and now Sister Sandy is. But before I lose my thought, uh, we have a, a good group of people. The pandemic really set us back. But this year, we're, I mean, this past year, we had a good group of people that would come. COVID did a number on the park, did a number on the chapel, but didn't matter. We still went on. But we have men there that come, and when they're home, they don't go to church. Go figure that one, huh? And you know, I can pick them out. I don't mean to, but when you're up there preaching, you got a guy sitting there like this, you know. Uh, but what's the point? Worship is your time of expressing thanks to God, uh, adoring God, praising God. That's what worship's all about. And if you thirst after God, your worship is going to change. It's more than just Sunday morning at 10 o'clock or 10.15. It's that relationship. Worship should be at the end, at the beginning of the week on a Sunday, it's the result. Worship should be the time of thanking God, praising God, talking about God. That's what has to happen. That's what worship's about. It's not the service. The service needs to be good and great and and I know you guys do a great job here. But worship God. That's a result. That's a, that's a reward of serving God. Number five is the result of thirsting after God. Go over to verse 8. Down at the bottom there. Verse 8. Same 63. See what the words are? My soul clings to you. My soul clings to you. That's a pretty powerful statement. Because clinging is, is an interesting thing in itself, but he says, my soul clings to you. He's all alone in the wilderness wandering. And he made it something good for himself and God. He thirsts after God. And he says, my soul clings to you. Wow. There must be something to this business of thirsting after God, don't you think? We get caught up in all kinds of pop psychology or uh, some people that really are preaching the truth of Scripture, They're distorting it, but they can build a kingdom of their own for it. I've seen it. Oh, I'm sure you have. You can't, you can't live that way. And you see there where it says your right hand? That's one of the blessings. I've jumped down to blessings already. If you want to find satisfaction and confidence and peace, 
Pay attention. That's what God gives you as the result of thirsting after him. But then let's go to the bottom. And the blessings is this. You see verse 8, it says there, uh, where'd it go? It left. No. There it go. <laughs> Need glasses. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Anytime you see that phrase in Scripture, pay attention. Because all through Scripture, the right hand of God is there and it's saying, that's where you need to come. That's where you need to be. He upholds you with his mighty hand. How mighty is his hand? The last I read, he's the creator. Okay? He created us. Let's, let's not even worry about the rest of it. He created the human body. And sometimes we don't take care of it, or sometimes we do like me and just fall down, okay? But he, that right hand of God, created us. They had to fix my, my spine after I fell down. And they told me what they were going to do, and I looked at him and said, are you serious? I don't get it. And he says, well, you fractured your vertebrae, and it's broken in pieces, and we're going to fix it. And I'm thinking, I'm not having surgery. I had that eight years ago, nine years ago. I'm not doing that. And he looked and the nurse says, no, 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 no. We're going to inject cement into your body. Anybody had cement injected? I ran to a guy the other day. He had all kinds of injections of cement. Well, my mind with cement is not good, okay? That's what we walk on. And you're going to put that in. Did you know it worked? I have back trouble now, but what's new? It works. Well, as I look at this, uh, the blessings that we get from pursuing God and for, for hungering and thirsting after him. It's the God who created us. And anytime you see the right hand of God mentioned, read the context that it's in and look around it, okay? It's amazing the times that God's right hand is mentioned in scripture. We can't see it, but scripture tells us it's there. That scripture also tells us that one day when we pass on, as we die and go to heaven, he sends angels to get you. We were there when Kathy died. Larry was there. Well, I was there too. She was totally out of it. She put her hand up over her head. She grabbed a hold of something. What do you think it was? The mighty right hand of God is what I think. I get goosebumps talking about it. But it's the right hand of God. You know, it's part of what we're getting. When you focus on God in your life, you're going to see and you're going to understand the mighty hand of God and what good is it? What good it is doing for you? We're talking about thirsting. As the deer pants for the water brooks, my soul plants, so my soul plants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Speaking of death. <coughs> David didn't write that one. That's Psalm 42. It's someone else. But what an influence that David had to have on people for them to understand it. I'm, I'm wrapping it up. Uh, 
Which psalm is this? Okay. This is Psalm 34. It's a whole bunch of verses. Psalm 34, verse 4. I sought the Lord and he answered me. So what I say, what you need to do when you're feeling alone, when you're feeling discouraged, understand that I sought the Lord and he answered me. If you're not feeling alone and discouraged, but you just want to have a closer relationship with God, be thankful because he'll come. He delivered me from my fears. Move over to verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge. It's one of those words I told you about. Refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. But to those who fear him, there is no want. Now you understand that doesn't mean you're afraid of God. You got that? When I was a kid, I used to think I was supposed to be afraid of God. I wasn't real smart. I didn't understand. I was supposed to reach out and talk to him and pray with him and pray to him and stuff. That's what you get there. It goes on from there. It says, The Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. So the next time you're discouraged, you're feeling alone, is God trying to teach you something? Is he? Be nice if he wrote it on the wall. I used to joke about that at the country church. When we put the addition on, we took some windows out in the sanctuary, the one side. So it was this big blank section. I said, well, God left that there for us because he's going to write us a message. Yes, they thought I was crazy. But anyways, a hymn that came to my mind, talking about God and loving him and believing in him and knowing he cares for us and he's our rock and he's our fortress. Do you ever see the words to great is thy faithfulness? When you leave here today, sometime in the next week, find a hymn. It's 148 in your book. And read the words. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There's no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not. Thy comparisons, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. So it's not God shortchanging us. I've had people tell me that. So why, why don't you believe like you did and why did you quit coming? Because God isn't who he says he is. He doesn't do, he just leaves me hanging. And I says, no, he doesn't. I said, you leave him hanging. There's a difference. So think about what you hunger and thirst for. What the world offers, forget it. You know, success isn't going to make you more godly. Success, you should be thankful to God all the time for what you have. I got to stop. Thank you for listening. I didn't see anybody doze off, so I'm in good shape. I had a man in our church, country church. You know him well, but I won't tell you who it is. He always sat in the back, facing this way. He'd be on the left side next to his wife. She had sharp elbows. <laughs> And every now and then I'd look back there and I'd see him. His head would go around. And I said, that's it. And I could see his wife going like this. I'd be up there and I'd not, I'm not going to hurt you. I slapped the pulpit. He about fall out of the pew. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, we need to pay attention. You need to go to God with your needs. 
your praises, your blessings. Thirst for God. Thirst for God. There isn't anything better. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for, for David. Thank you for his writings in scripture and his lessons that he learned. He wasn't a perfect man, we know, but yet he still came back to you in earnest. And he would cling to you like no other. So we thank you for the blessings of scripture, the blessings of his life. Lord, may this church continue to be a blessing to its community. Thank you for all of these things. In the precious name of Jesus, we say, amen.